We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The world has changed. And Microsoft Teams is there to help us stay connected. Teams is the safe and secure way to chat, meet, call, and collaborate. To learn more, visit Microsoft.com slash Teams. It's time! With Bruce Buffer. And now, it's time for the voice of mixed martial arts. We are it's Bruce Buffer. Bruce Buffer. From the shores of Malibu, where the waves are pumping, to the Great Wall of China, and back to the streets of Rochester, New York, where the UFC is coming. We are live. This is It's Time Radio, the show where we talk about what you think about, but maybe afraid to voice. Do not worry. We will voice it for you. We talk about everything on this time. Politics, entertainment, TV, movies, UFC, sex, drugs, rock and roll, you name it. We talk about it. It's no holes barred radio. I'm here with my co-host, TJ. Total Wine & More announces points with a purpose. Now through September 13th, collect five times points on wines and spirits. Points earned equals a matching donation to local charities. Up to $2 million in total. Shop with us today or visit TotalWine.com. Terms and conditions apply. Santa's, we're going to talk about the week that was, the week where we've been, and what's going to come in the future, if we even know. So here I am, and here you are. TJ, how are you? Uh, spoiler alert, we're both going to die. I don't know when. But that's how it all ends, Buff. That's a great positive way to start the show. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm feeling good. I'm smiling. I'm pinching myself. I'm happy to be alive. Thank you. Now, in respect to that, without making jokes, okay, there yeah. were two passings in the last week of entertainers that are legends in their own right. One, a legend of comedy, another legend of film, music, show business, entertainment. And our listeners that are under the age of 35, our 40 may not recognize these names right away. Our other listeners over the age, I'm sure you do. And the first one I want to talk about is the actress and entertainer named Doris Day. She's a legend in Hollywood. You may or may not know her from her films in the 50s and the 60s. I personally grew up with her films. She was very enjoyable to watch, always entertaining. And the other is a gentleman from The Carol Burnett Show, very well-known comedian, famous comedian named Tim Conway. Been in many, many movies. Again, for those out there, if you don't know who they are, it's okay. But as somebody who's been a fan of these people my entire life, I have to say that my condolences and my best wishes go out to their family and loved ones on their passing. And with that note, we will move on to the show with total respect to what I just talked about. Now, TJ, I just got back from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. 
Rio de, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil is always an amazing country to go to. Obviously, it's it's a country known for many, many things. Um, when it comes to UFC fans, they are some of the most passionate fans that are in the world, where we go with throughout the world. They make tons of noise. 20,000 sounds like 50,000, especially when they're local heroes. Brazilian fighters are fighting, of which there were many in the show this weekend. Uh, did you watch the show? I know you were working. Were you able to watch the show? Uh, yeah, no, I uh, was glued in front of the television, and uh, what a crazy night. They say you're only as good as your last fight, mm -hmm. and the Brazilians were not having a good night, but I think Jessica Andrade kind of... Uh, turned that event upside down on its head, and uh, I think the Brazilian fans in Rio went home happy. Uh, yeah, they went home happy. Rose Namajunas obviously not going home too happy with her loss, but really, because she seemed pretty happy, which is awkward. Well, you know? Ro like Rose has a great attitude. You know, I know that she goes. There's been reports that she goes through some, you know, stresses and strains the night of before a fight, before a fight. And I think all fighters do within their own rights. It has to be respected, but. Um, you know, she's a classy person and she handles herself well before, during and after the fight. She's one of my favorite fighters to watch. But let's say one thing before Jessica Andrade um, mightily and warrior spirit wise picked her up and dumped Rose and knocked her out, which was the second or third. Was that the second one? The second what? The the second slam? Slam. It was two slams, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, there was one slam in the first round and then the second one in the uh, second round. Right, and when that second round happened and Rose was knocked out, I mean, we were all worried because that was a very tough slam. You never know what the danger could have been from that. I mean, let's face it. This is fighting and anything could happen, and God forbid the worst ever happens. We don't want to see that. So Rose got back, back up handled it like the champion that she is. Jessica Andrade is now the newly declared star, strawweight champion, title holder of the UFC. But Rose was fighting one of the best fights I've ever seen her fight, TJ. I mean, she was she was on target. It was, you know, she was really fighting a great fight. Jessica just pulled it out. This is an example of a mixed martial arts fight where anything can happen at any time in the octagon and fights can turn around. We've seen it happen so many times, more than we can remember. But what a way to end what was pretty much a very exciting night and the fighters brought it all of them so any comments on jessica andrage as far as who her next opponent would be and my next question is do you think yuan and jacek is licking her chops to get back in and fight face jessica for the strawweight title I'm, I'm sure she is um you know i'm not certain that she should be the next challenger for me it should be the winner of Tatiana Suarez and, and Nina Ansaroff. That makes the the most amount of sense for me. But uh, you know, I'm not the uh, I'm not the matchmakers. I don't make those decisions. But it seems like that would be the next log logical choice. I also would side with Rose Namajunas getting an immediate rematch if she wanted to. Uh, the reason for that, uh, you know, I mean, she beat. Yoana uh, and Jacek, and then had to prove it, you know. And and Yoana had a, an immediate rematch. I kind of think that that favor should be extended as well to uh, Rose. But uh, I don't know. It's, it seems like Rose Namajunas wants to take a minute, collect herself, and and come back and make a a more you know concentrated run. But uh, yeah, for me, uh, I think Jessica Andrade should fight the winner of Tatiana Suarez and Nina Ansaroff. Yeah, I agree with you. I would love to see Rose and Jessica go at it again, but Rose is obviously going to probably be suspended for a short period of time due to her being knocked out. I, I think it's a 90-day, if I'm not mistaken, or 60-day suspension. Give yeah, but I mean, very rarely do we see 
you know, champions fight within a 60 or 90 day period. Exactly. So it's plenty of time for her to think, collect her thoughts. Uh, I heard mention that, you know, she's had a goal and a dream of being a firewoman, you know, going into the, uh, if I'm not incorrect, did you hear that also? That's one of her aspirations. I I haven't heard that, but it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, she's that type of person. Um, you know, I, nothing would surprise me with Rose, honestly. If she never fought again, it wouldn't surprise me. If she fought in two weeks, it wouldn't surprise me. Exactly. So, you know, anybody coming off a loss, much less a fight like that, they need their time. Take their time. She handled it with class. I really feel that we'll see her back, but we'll see her back when she's ready to come back, and we'll all love it when she walks in. Jessica, congratulations, Jessica Andrade. True warrior spirit displayed, as I said earlier. What a way to end the fight. Let's step down to the co-main event. Anderson Silva, Jared Cannonier. Anderson Silva, I heard through the grapevine, his knee was hurt in training. If that information was out there, it can almost make the opposing camp, if they hear it, train to go after that knee. I'm not saying that was the case, but in this case, we saw the great Anderson Silva coming out to entertain his uh, country, home country fans, and he lost within three minutes due to that vicious kick by Jared that took out his knee. And again, I'm there. I have the best seat in the house right beside the octagon. And again, I heard Anderson Silva screaming in pain, just like when his ankle you know, did the 360 um, years ago. Very hard to watch, TJ. Now, watching this, I have to ask myself, okay, Anderson Silva's had a glorious career. He's one of the greatest of all times. There's no question about it. He came into this fight ranked 14th in the middleweight division against Cannoneer ranked 10th. He went out in a rough way. It's another injury. He's 41 or older. What do you think, I'm asking you, what do you think Anderson Silva should do? Because I'm sure he has a couple more fights from what I've heard or read in the past that he has a few more fights in his contract. Should he continue or is it time to say the greatest is going to take, you know, a rest from fighting? He's 44 years old. 44, And I don't think he's going to come back and fight until he's 45 because of this knee injury. Of course. There's nothing nothing left to prove. The only thing there is to gain is more money. And if he wants to gain more money, he's going to be afforded that opportunity. But the thought of Anderson Silva being the great Anderson Silva, unfortunately, those days are behind him. I mean, after all, this is a young person sport for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, I was relieved to see when he was screaming that his leg was still intact you know like I hate to say that it sounds so grim but when Anderson Silva gets kicked and then we hear you know that 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 great fighter and his voice shriek out I immediately think the worst because we've been there before a little PTSD from the spectator standpoint um I don't know Bruce like knee injury is nothing to uh mess around with you know that better than anybody Mm -hmm. uh if anderson wants to come back and fight he's going to be afforded that option but at this point i don't need to see it i don't think many people i don't think anyone needs to see it we may want to see it but that's a that's a question um that is entirely different it's a question for anderson Silva, who again i am assuming has more fights on his contract i love watching anderson Silva. i love announcing anderson Silva, but with all my respect and love for the great fighter that Anderson Silva is as a human being and as a UFC warrior, I hope financially, as I would assume, he's very well off. I would hope so. And I think it's time to make a serious decision. I do not want to see with these monsters in the middleweight division, younger monsters, not that Anderson Silva is not in his own right. He's amazing. I don't want to see him get hurt. And that takes me over to my next question. 
I don't want to see BJ Penn get hurt. But I will say that BJ Penn, he came out. BJ loves to fight. He's been a fighter since 12, 13 years old. It's in his blood. He's one of the true warriors of and legendary warriors of our sport. We all love to see him. And again, I love to announce him. He's my little brother, my little Hawaiian brother. We're great friends. Um, and I feel for him as my friend. He came up against the formidable Clay Guida. But I will say one thing for BJ. BJ looked good coming out. He was throwing. He was throwing more than he'd thrown in the last number of fights I'd seen him in. Um, but it did not end well for BJ. It's now, if I'm not mistaken, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, please, TJ, is this seven losses in nine fights or a seven-loss losing streak, which is now the record losing streak or tied for a losing streak in the UFC? Which is it? You answered your question. It's a record, uh, seven, seven straight. He hasn't won a fight since November of 2010. Think about that. It's 2019. That's a lot. It's been almost nine years since BJ Penn won a fight. Right. But he, here's the thing with BJ Penn. It's the same thing as Anderson Silva. Yep. If he wants to fight, he's going to be afforded that opportunity. Exactly. Do we, do we want to see it? Maybe. Do we need to see it? No. He has nothing left to prove. Only thing to gain for BJ Penn is more money. And if you know anything about BJ, you know about his family, he, he comes from a well-to-do family. He doesn't really need the money. But I will tell you this, Bruce. Anytime BJ Penn steps foot in the octagon, uh, I'll probably be paying to watch it, or if it's free, in front of my television watching it. And I will support him all the time because, again, I, I love BJ as a fighter, and I love him as a friend. Um, Clay Guida, you know, proved himself to be the formidable opponent he is. Getting back to BJ, you're right. Uh, there's a lot of wealth in that family. We can't comment on personal finances because we don't know. But right. I, I would assume that BJ's made a tremendous amount of money in his career. And here's my thought. This is just a simple thought. I'm not sure what BJ does in the offseason. I'm not sure if BJ has prepared himself for when he puts down his guns, as I always comment on here in the show, putting you know guns down. What are you going to do? Um, BJ is a born fighter. That's what BJ knows. BJ Penn, the octagon warrior. TJ, I think if he has the money that I assume he has and is comfortable as I hope he is, I think it's a case of being bored. I think it's a case that he loves oh, the fight. He just wants to get in there. Yeah. I mean, when, when you live in paradise and you come from a, a family that is well-to-do, like... What, what do you do for fun? You know what I mean? You Bruce? fight. Like you live in, yeah, like <laughs> yeah. you live in Hawaii. It's like it's it's surfing or fighting, honestly. And uh, for BJ Penn, I don't know. I, I like I said, I I'm just as guilty as everyone else that says, oh hey, uh, you know maybe he shouldn't fight. But the second I hear BJ Penn is fighting, I get excited because it's BJ Penn. Um, I'd love to see him go the combat jiu-jitsu route, which is, uh, you know, I think Uriah Faber's doing it, um, you know, where it's, it's that uh, jiu-jitsu style competition that allows you to have open-handed uh, palm strikes on the floor. Uh, BJ Penn, maybe not a lot of people know this, but his nickname is The Prodigy because mm-hmm. uh, with the relative ease that he got his Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt that took him like four years or something like that, which is really unheard of. Um, I, I think BJ Penn, if he still wants to compete, should go back to the jiu-jitsu world where he truly is a prodigy. He's one of the best. We haven't seen him there in a while. Uh, I, I'd love to see him get back on the mat and sort of, you know, assert his dominance in, in that realm. Well, you know, this is a very fast-growing sport, the, um, the competitive jiu-jitsu you're referring to. EBI, other organizations, 
Uriah Faber, I did not know that. I think that's really exciting, and it's a great way to stay healthy, to fulfill your competitive edge needs for fighting, and hopefully not suffer any injuries as you would in a full mixed martial arts, close-fisted knee knee and elbow fight. So with that being said, I'd love to see BJ do that. And if it's a question of being bored and being comfortable financially, again, as I hope he is, then that could fulfill that. But I'm like you, TJ, if I hear BJ is going to be in the octagon, I can't wait to announce him. I can't wait to watch. Um, but, but there is a, there just is, think about that. Think about that for a second. What if what if Uriah Faber and BJ Penn met on the jujitsu mat? Sign me up. Like I'll pay for that. I'll pay for that. I'll pay for that most definitely. And if it's jujitsu, I want to announce it. Are you kidding? That would be that'd yeah. be incredible. Eddie Bravo, yeah. take note. Take note. EBI, take note. That could be huge. All right. With that being said, all my respect to Anderson. All my respect to BJ because that's all I do is respect them and like them. So it's their choice, their lives. They decide, and of course, the powers that be at the UFC are the ones that have to make that decision also along with them. So we'll see what the future holds, which takes us now to Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo fought a very strong fight against Alexander Volkanovsky. Volkanovsky, um, with Aldo being rated number one, Volkanovsky being rated number four, I would assume Alexander is now the number one featherweight contender in the division, correct? Uh, you would think so, but it sounds like Frankie Edgar is going to be fighting Max Holloway. So. Oh, that's right. That's right. And I love that matchup. I mean, Frankie's stronger and stronger. It's a, it's a featherweight. God, there's so many great fighters in that division. Um, Alexander Volkanovsky, I read, could not leave. I saw him on Sunday. He was down at the beach with one of his uh, fighting partners. Um, but I understand he got an infection in his foot. He couldn't even leave Brazil for a couple of days because he couldn't fly. You know, when I go to places I want to stay, I come down with infections as well. So, uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not <laughs> saying that he's playing hooky. But, man, if you had to be stuck anywhere, why not? Why not paradise? Yeah, exactly. But it's a foot infection. So hopefully he can walk around in paradise, however that took place. But congratulations to Alexander. Jose Aldo, you're such a warrior. Uh, again, I Jose Aldo looking strong. I got no problem. Jose Aldo coming out and keep on fighting. I mean, he was number one. Now, I don't know where, I don't know where this pushes him in the rankings, but he's still at the top of the division. And yeah, like number two, maybe. I yeah, mean, yeah, the world's Jose, his oyster, so it's all good. Yeah, and in my opinion, Jose Aldo is still the greatest featherweight of all time. Um, you know, the the loss to uh, Conor McGregor was, was very tough for him. Uh, he seems to be able to beat most people besides Volkanovski and, and Max Holloway. So at this point, uh, although I have no problem with him continuing his career, but I think the problem with uh, with with Saturday night, Bruce, and, and maybe you can uh, you know back me up on this, but they, 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 there's that old adage in fights that styles make fights, and Volkanovski is a very difficult style for Jose Aldo, and I'm not saying that uh, Volkanovski didn't beat Aldo, but I think Aldo was very hesitant. He didn't pull the trigger, and uh, on the commentary. Uh, I think Dominic Cruz said it uh, a couple of times. It, it felt like Aldo was fighting not to lose, and you just can't do that in the octagon, especially with with three rounds. You know, you you don't fight for seven and a half minutes. It takes seven and a half minutes to start, and the, the fight is pretty much lost for you. And I feel like that was sort of the case with Aldo. Volkanovski is so dangerous the way with the way that he fights that if you get behind, you can never really get back into the fight. And I think, unfortunately for Aldo, that was uh, a little bit of the case on Saturday in Rio. 
Yeah, I'm with you on all that. Um, now let's go to another level here. We had three female fights on the card, and uh, they all brought it, starting off with the first fight that really set a pace for the show between Talita Bernardo and Viviani Araujo. Uh, that was a very go-for type fight going into Luana Carolina and Priscilla Cachoeira for the flyweight bout. These were both on the fight pass prelims. They all brought it. And then we got into Irina Aldana and uh, Betch Cohea, and they were definitely throwing bombs. So the female fighters brought it. The male fighters brought it. I thought it was a hell of a card. And again, I knew it would be a hell of a card when I'm reading on the Internet and these keyboard warriors are saying, what a lousy card. Every time they really? say that. Oh, God. So, I, I read, someone said I, I this saw, was a lousy card? I saw that in a few places. And it's like, what are you talking about? Are they fans of fighting? I don't know where they're <laughs> coming from. I think they're fans of being keyboard warriors and making themselves relevant by acting negative. Because I thought this was a fantastic fight card. I mean, it was fantastic. Sure. From on, like, on paper, it was fantastic. I mean, again, Bruce, like think about what we just talked about. We talked about a come-from-behind championship clinching victory for Jessica Andrade. Right. Um, one of the best featherweights, if not the best featherweight of all time, was on the card. One of the best middleweights, if not the best middleweight, if not the best mixed martial artist of all time, and Anderson Silva, was on the card. And then, oh, by the way, BJ Penn was on the card. Oh, yeah. Like, come on now. <laughs> like, what else like, do you want? <laughs> get out of here, people. Like, what, what, do you want robots fighting each other? Like, I don't understand what more you can ask for. Uh, it's, it's crazy. You know what? What's the old adage? You can please some of the people, but you can't please all the people all the time. It's bottom line. No, no. You can please some of the people, and then sometimes the other people that aren't pleased are just stupid. Exactly. Sorry. Or they just want to say something. With that, they're not even <laughs> worth talking about anymore. Okay. Excellent card. Rochester, New York. This weekend's coming up. I will not be in Rochester, New York for the fight. I will be in Stockholm at the end of the month. Um, got a lot to do in the next couple of weeks. Very happy to be in my, home, my hometown doing what I have to do. Now, last week... Uh, Michael and I went to uh, the premiere of the Muhammad Ali HBO uh, film doc called What's My Name, which is directed by the great director, Antoine Fuqua. Um, the most recent film of note that people out there will recognize of Antoine Fuqua's would be The Magnificent Seven, the remake of the Steve McQueen Western from back in the 60s. Uh, now was redone with Denzel Washington. Did a great job, a lot of fun. He's an amazing director and very tough guy himself. He boxes quite regularly, had the pleasure of meeting him. Very impressed. This documentary is a two-part documentary now being shown on HBO. Uh, the great Muhammad Ali, the greatest of all time. Uh, there's a lot to see in this documentary aside from Muhammad Ali, the boxer. You'll see Muhammad Ali, the man. And one of the reasons it touched me so closely is because I had the pleasure and honor of meeting and talking with Muhammad Ali on numerous occasions throughout my life. From the first instance, which I talked about in the show when I was, I was, I was around five years old, I was at a hotel in Philadelphia called the Marriott with my family and a tall Black man walked in who I recognized from TV that I, my brother and I immediately said hi to, who was around seven or eight at the time. And he turned around, said hi to us, and spent five to ten minutes talking to us, being the very nice gentleman that he was. And his name at that time was Cassius Clay. That was before he became Muhammad Ali. So I really resonated with, you know, back, back from historical moments that are, that are um, shown throughout this documentary and the trials and tribulations of Muhammad Ali's personal life and professional boxing career. It's a magnificent documentary. Fight fans appreciate it for what it is. So I highly recommend it. And TJ, I, I, I'm sure you would thoroughly enjoy it. But as a father, I know you only have so, so much time to watch TV. 
Oh, yeah, but I mean, for, for Muhammad Ali and things like that, you got to make time. I mean, just because you have a kid doesn't mean you got to shut down, uh, you know, your your the pleasures in life. So uh, I'll definitely get around to it. Exactly. Cool. All right. Let me know when you do. Uh, some business news. Let's talk about some business news. Now, the first one, it was put out a couple weeks ago. Proper 12 sales news. Sales of Conor McGregor's Proper 12 Irish Whiskey. Um when it came out, the titles were a little embellished. I want to do a little thing here. With all respect, Connor's doing great with Proper 12. I think he's doing fantastic. The industry as a whole um, has now gone over a billion dollars in sales for Irish whiskey. But understand when you hear that, that does not mean that Connor McGregor sold a billion dollars worth of nine liter cases of Irish whiskey. So I'm going to explain a little business to our listeners. Okay. And again, I'm saying this with true respect because Proper 12 has proven to be very successful. When you hear a billion dollars in sales, the fact of the matter is that Conor McGregor's Proper 12 brand, okay, which launched last September, initially in Ireland and the US, the brand is now available in the UK and Australia. They sold out a six-month allocation in the first 10 days, and they have now shipped about 200,000 cases of nine-liter bottles okay so that's if i'm and understand this correctly that's nine liter bottles per case conor mcgregor's whiskey which if i remember correctly retails around 20 so let's just say it retails at 25 dollars. okay wholesale if we call wholesale just 12 dollars and 50 cents times nine that's 112 dollars and 50 cents a case times two hundred thousand cases shipped equals $22,500,000. That is fantastic, having only been released in September. But understand that is part of a billion dollars in sales for Irish whiskey, which predominantly is the brand called Jameson's. But they do say that Conor McGregor has been quoted that his whiskey has actually affected a little bit in the sales of Jameson's. Or let's put it this way. Jameson's growth in the U.S. continues to slow due to a jump in sales from Conor McGregor's brand. That's the quote. So um, good for Connor. I think it's good. But I just want to point out, and I love the idea that it's a billion dollars in sales, but when you're reading these things, if you want to understand it properly, always read the entire article. And with that being said, congratulations, Connor. You're cranking it. You're doing it. Now, I love Connor's quote. <laughs> Here's the tweet. Was there any doubt I turned whiskey into a billy, meaning a billion? Well, you definitely added $22 million and a half million dollars, give or take, in sales. Great job. So he's going to, and then he turned, he says, I turned human cockfighting to 4.2, insinuating that sale of UFC for $4.2 billion. You know what, Connor? You're making history. The numbers are there. They might be a little off, but the numbers are there. Congratulations. And proper 12, go for it. If you haven't tried it, try it. Decide on your own opinion. Um, but I always admire success in business. Any comments on that, TJ? No, I mean, Conor McGregor continues to do things that are crazy, and uh, it's crazy. <laughs> crazy in more ways than one, no comment. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, now, Ken Kardashian, as much as we, you know, talk about it in the show, had fun talking about her in the show, you can't get away from the fact that she and her family have really, as social media influencers and TV reality stars, have really just exploded, and the money they make is staggering. Kim Kardashian is involved in a court case right now. I won't go into the details, but in the court case, it comes out what's been said in the court. So Kim justifies that 
she gets between 300,000 and 500,000 for a single Instagram post. That's amazing, isn't it? Some sources are claiming she can actually pull in up to 1 million per Instagram post. And this is all because of the docs that are being released in this. Staggering numbers. You get down to her sister, Kylie Jenner, Jenner, already been declared a billionaire because of her brand um, that she does. We call it a Kylie empire. But, you know, she sells many different things. For, and now she's going into another thing, which is going to be including a line of hair care products. She's trademarking a, a name called Kylie Hair. It's going to have shampoos, conditioners, oils, gels, mousse, and dye. Um, it's amazing. And Kendall, her older sister, has already filed docs to trademark handbags, clothing, and hair accessories under her own name. Kylie Cosmetics has already made her a billionaire. And now Kylie Skin is set off to do massive success as well. So no matter how you cut it, they're capitalizing on brand, they're capitalizing on themselves, and they're producing and making a lot of money. This is doing good business and making your brand work. This whole social media is, it's amazing what it's done for so many people and will continue to do. And that's why people are attacking it, trying to become social media influencers, influencers, whether they're doing it the right way or the wrong way, it's a whole new world of marketing. And in business out there, and I'm saying this to business owners, if you don't adapt to the new forms of marketing, such as social media, you possibly could be left behind depending on what the product or venture you're selling is. Staggering numbers. I love seeing people make money, but in this case, the rich get richer, but they're getting richer because they're making the right moves. Now, there's a few stories here that I want to go through, and I have to excuse myself to our listeners, but for some reason, my server on my email um, has been hacked, the company, and they have a security running today, and I have absolutely no ability to use email. So I couldn't prepare my uh, usual show thing correctly. I'll tell you something you might get a kick of here. You know who Kevin Hart is, of course, right? Of course. Okay, well, Kevin Hart, and again, my email's not working, so bear with me, please. Please, <laughs> please, please. This is crazy. <laughs> God, I want to just, oh. oh. Little things can definitely irk me from time to time, as you know, TJ. Trust me, I know. I'm living in a technical nightmare today. Yeah, you're going through it, too. That's why we're doing it. All right, Kevin Hart, a friend of mine, a... a uh, Poker player, poker pro, named Antonio Esfandiari. He's made. Oh, he's been on the show. Been on the show. He's a friend of the show, and we play poker together. And we played in the. Pro- you guys had a bet going on. I don't know if you ever paid out or if you ever paid Do out. Do you remember what that bet was? Because he makes it was. It was he wouldn't come to like L.A. without saying hello to you, or you wouldn't come to Vegas without saying hello to him, and if that happened. I don't know, something like that. Maybe we can go back and find the archive of that show. Yeah, find, see, uh, yeah, I'd like to collect. I mean, he moved to L.A. and he invited me to poker game at his house about two months ago. So maybe he won. Maybe I won. But anyway, Kevin, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I didn't say hi to him when I walked in the door. Who knows? Um, Antonio makes what they call prop bets every day of his life. Now, he took up boxing. Okay. he um, Antonio, rather, took up boxing. Antonio told me he'd never been hit in the face. He'd never boxed in his life. Kevin Hart is also a big poker player in cash games and such and tournaments. And he and him got together. They decided to have a three, two-minute round fight, okay? So they fought a few weeks ago. And he asked me to announce it, but I was out of town doing a UFC. And over the three rounds, they went at it. And Antonio trained for six or seven months for this fight. Kevin's been out doing his movies. This said the other. He's basically a natural athlete. He's very, very athletically uh, fit. But he lo- Kevin lost the fight on a decision. 
Okay, so they had a they had a pretty healthy bet between them. I don't want to quote it because I don't see it being made public, but it was a very healthy, healthy bet. Now Oscar De La Hoya comes out and he says, Kevin Hart, I'll promote your boxing career. Actually even offered to turn him pro. I don't think Kevin's gonna turn pro as a boxer. I don't see that happening. No, he shouldn't, but yeah, but still, I give I give Antonio Esfandieri credit stepping in. On, and again, this is Kev, this is Antonio's worse than me. He's never been hit in the face, so to suddenly step in, good for him. He's really fit. Everything's cool. That was fun. The video's out there on the internet if you want to see it. So go ahead and enjoy it. Uh, Dennis Rodman, what is going on? Did you read about him? Oh yeah, yeah. Buffer, by the way, I just did warning. I got about a three minute warning here. Yeah, no problem, no problem. So I'm going to sign up the show. But Dennis Rodman back in the news for all the wrong reasons. He and a crew being accused of shoplifting and taking stuff from a store down in Orange County. Um, Twice on back to back days, I heard about. This. Yeah, back to back days went back the next day. I don't know. We'll see how this develops, but. Uh, you got to ask yourself, when you're in the news for the wrong reasons multiple, multiple times, doesn't that mean you're maybe doing something wrong? Uh, I mean, if the shoe fits. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, real quick collectible story. Will Chamberlain's legendary 100-point game document went up for sale. Okay, it originally started at bidding. This was the game. They scored 100 points in one night. The only player uh, that has hit triple digits. And he posted with a photo with a sign, the red 100. So they have the actual uh, sheet. Um, how do I say this? The scoring sheet from that 100-point game. It started at $15,000. TJ, as usual, what do you think it sold for? Uh, 50. $214,579. Oh, oh, my God. Sports. That is bonkers it's bonkers sports collectibles are hotter than ever as we talk on the show and we all know what i collect the wax packs brian being the ultimate master at this business so pretty pretty cool all right everybody i'm going to uh, partially apologize for a shorter show today we had some technical difficulties we did have clay guida on as a guest uh, he will be back with us but you have me and you have my good buddy tj DeSantis. hope you enjoyed the show tj anything to say before we take off I'm feeling like we should just like jump into the archive and like wrap up with this Antonio Esfandari interview. Why don't we do that? Let's bring on the Antonio Esfandari interview as an archive show. We'll tag it on this. That was for poker players out there and people want to know what it's like to be in the action, making millions playing poker on a professional level. If we're going to put it I mean, up, check it out. For 400 episodes, Bruce. I like uh, dipping into the archive. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, dipping into the archives. All right, that's good. Well, everybody, enjoy the show with Antonio. Are we, are we going to tag it, TJ? Yeah, why not? Yeah, let's do it. Let's tag it on. Enjoy the show with Antonio. That sounds like a title for a TV show. I like it. All right, TJ, thanks. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, with either an archive show or a real show, but the bottom line is you've got its time every week. Uh, everybody and excuse us for our crazy travel schedules but summer's coming wish everybody a great week tj have a great week everybody out there be the best you can be be a role model to your sphere of influence set your goals write them down learn everything about them so when you set on that path you be the best you can be and that's all about what it takes to win so what no matter what you do in life just challenge yourself and go out there and get it done be honest be strong and be respectful to everybody around you. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I'll talk to you next week. We'll be back with It's Time. Buffer out. It's time to begin! <laughs> Who am I kidding? I'll let him do it. It's time! Now, back to the voice of MMA.
MMA, Bruce Buffer. Hi, Bruce Buffer back on the Sure Dog Radio Network and now bringing on a very special guest, a man who's achieved something in life that most people, if not everybody, dreams of. A man who's won two World Poker Tour Championships, two World Series of Poker Bracelets, and now, after paying $1 million to enter the big one for one drop in the World Series of Poker, he's not the $6 million man. He's not the $10 million man. This is the $18 million man, Antonio the Magician Espandiari. Antonio, welcome back on It's Time Radio. Dr. Buffer, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm proud. I'm jealous. I'm envious. How does it feel? to have won the biggest poker tournament in the history of poker and suddenly to have an $18 million resume in your pocket. It feels fantastic. I mean, honestly, it took a little while before it hit me, but it's kind of starting to settle in. Um, and, you know, it just feels great. I mean, it's, it's nice to know that my family doesn't really ever have to worry anymore and my dad can just go about doing whatever he wants. And you know, I'm a little more comfortable. Um, I was very lucky and fortunate to be doing pretty good even before the tournament. Um, but just... Overall, I'm just extremely ecstatic. I'm very humbled by the win, and I'm honored to kind of carry the torch for poker uh, moving forward. Well, I think that uh, you're a grand example of a role model for poker. I, I've known you for a number of years now. You've been on the show before. Um, it, you, you've got a great attitude. You're, you're a wonderful guy. You're not full of BS. You know, you, you display class to everybody you deal with and the fact you know I love the how you said you want to take care of your dad because I've met your father and I've seen when you when you went over to him after you won I mean I had tears rolling in my eyes because I was so close to my father before he passed as I am to my mother who's still alive that was so beautiful Antonio because that is what life's all about it's about family and the people that love you and that you love and you displayed it wonderfully when you when you won that tournament I, I just dig it so much well thank you I mean at the end of the day what do we really have you can have all the money in the world but if you don't have relationships to share your success with you really have nothing so my father obviously is the one person that i love more than anything because he gave up everything to bring us to this country so to have him there and to win the bracelet for him was you know in all honesty better than any feeling i've ever had in my life that's that's beautiful couldn't say it better myself hopefully i'll be able i mean i've been able to say that in many times in my life but watching this position that you were in was just incredible do you think uh now with this Shall we say, is this a life changer for you, Antonio, in, in ways of professional parts of your life as well as personal? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, I've been around the poker scene for many years, and certainly I've done a pretty good job at keeping my name out there and whatnot. But I spent a long time not focused on my career. I was just out partying, having a great time. You know, my motto was I'm only going to be young once. And so I really didn't care that much. And so mm -hmm. in the last couple of years, I've completely shifted that energy. I'm a professional poker player. I love poker. Why not give it my 100%? And it's crazy to see what happens when you really give something your everything. And that's what I did this summer. I really focused. I played almost all the Nolan Holden tournaments. I woke up every day and went to the gym. I was a machine. I ate healthy, didn't drink at all, except for the night I won, of course. Of course. And, uh, you know, it's definitely life-changing because it kind of puts me, you know, uh, on the top tier of poker players. Um, certainly my name was there, I was known and whatnot, but I, I don't think that I had the respect that I always wanted and that I thought that I deserved. Um, and so it just kind of elevates me to that level, and I'm just so happy to be there. 
That's awesome. I mean, you're you're definitely a role model for poker players out there. You know, one thing that uh, when we make a lot of money, I know when I when I uh, buy a toy for myself, whether it's a new car or something, uh, I've done in the past where I bought something that I shouldn't have spent money on, but it motivated me to do better in my life and, and then in turn make the money beyond what I needed for that item. But in this case, Antonio, honestly, are you going to buy a toy? Are you going to get a new home? What are you going to do for Antonio? You know, Antonio's been doing pretty good for Antonio leading up to this tournament. I mean, I've been right. so lucky and fortunate to have a dream life even before this tournament started. And so now, you know, I, th- I think certainly I want to buy um, a home in a city that I think I'm going to raise my family in. Um, right. So, yeah, probably buy a nice home somewhere. Um, a little nicer than previously planned. Uh, but that's really it. I'm not, you know, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to go out and buy some Lamborghini and, and drive around and, you know, feed my ego. It's not really my style. That's um, a waste of money anyway. Yeah, it's just not, you know, I don't need to draw that extra attention. And uh, certainly I would have done that six, seven years ago. But, right. you know, at 33, I feel like I'm in a different place. Um, you know, I only went out the one night that I won the tournament. And since then, I haven't gone out um, at all, really. Um, haven't really been drinking and just, you know, back back at it. And, you know, I, I gave the main event 100%. I really wanted to get to the final table of that one just to really punish all the poker players. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I took 500th. I made a deep run, but I played really well, and I'm really happy with my results overall. Very cool. And, you know, listen, I've been to your home in Vegas. You have a beautiful home now. I won't say where it is, but you have a beautiful home. Um, now, one question, just to your observation. I'm not asking about you. I'm, I'm asking about the other people in the in the tourneys. The Circuit is a lake creator, Guy. I'm sure you know, <laughs> wrote a check or went over to the drawer and pulled out a million bucks and put it down on the table. The guy's worth what a billion dollars or more. How many how many players were there? And in your guesstimation, how many of those players actually were backed into the tourney to whatever the deals they made? Um, I think that probably almost all of the pros, except maybe less than a handful. Uh, sold action or had some sort of a deal with somebody because a million dollars is a lot of money. And oh, yeah. I don't care who you are, to come up with a million liquid is just, you know, you might have it, but, you know, let's say your net worth is even five million. You're really going to put up 20% of your net worth to play in one lottery. That's just really a bad decision making. Mm-hmm. So I think that most people probably sold action and came up with ways to get in the tournament. Yeah, I would think so too. And uh, celebration-wise, would you hit Dre's success? Where'd you go after the after the uh, tourney? After the, uh, we went to One Oak, and uh, we had a great time. Sam Trickett actually was there at the table next to us, and uh-huh. they had uh, they have a bikini contest or something. And Trickett and I were the judges of this bikini contest, and I'll never forget it. Here we are between the two of us. We had between the two of us, we had collectively won just twenty-eight million bucks. <laughs> and we had a cocktail in our hand, and we were judging these girls in these bikinis. I mean, we were having a great time. I really actually like Sam Triggett. There's very few poker players that I actually want to hang out with outside of poker or even inside of poker. And I can say that Trick is one of them. He's a, he's a really cool dude. I, it's, I, I've heard that a lot about him. But um, also, too, you know, I, by the way, I did a, a – Shout out at One Oak that Saturday after the UFC. Pretty wild club. It gets a little crazy in there. I can see where you had a lot of fun. Has the media been after you for interviews? Because um, in my here's what I would, if I was your manager, or you know I would do it for you even as a friend because I got the connections. But 
Have you been on? Have you had any entertained an offer from Kimmel or Leno? Because they've always have WSOP main event winners on. Has anybody come to you and said, "Hey, come on the show. You're the eighteen million dollar man." Has that happened? They've uh, had some conversations. They were pretty booked this week. They wanted to get me on the show, but they had all the Olympic stuff for the NBC. And right. uh, a couple of the shows were dark the week that I won. And so uh, this week they were trying to figure it out. Certainly I would love to go on those shows. And my manager, my agent, I think he's great. And the guys at the Wolfers Booker, they're great. So they're trying to figure it out. Um, and, you know, I would love to do it. I'd love to go on the show and represent poker as well as I can. All right. You know, what am I doing to get on the show? I, you know, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm just You're sitting not... here. If I get the call, of course I'm going to go. Yeah, you're not supposed to do anything. You're talent, and talent should just be talent. I mean, some people can be in front of behind the camera, which has been my forte for over the years. But uh, just a personal favor, anything there, if you haven't heard from him, if you want to make a phone call, because I think you're great TV, and I think you'd be um, great yeah, on the go show. Go ahead, get me on. You know, my, I would really like to be on Leno um, and Stern. I'd, I'd love to be on either one of those shows. Oh, well, Howard's. I'd love, to, I'd love uh, I, to be a program for Howard Stern. I, I could pick up the phone and call Baba Bowie right now. I, 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 we'll talk about this after the uh, after the show. Or let me let me make a couple calls and I'll see if I can get any leeway there. Um, okay. Now you wrote the Magician's Secrets for Winning Tournaments on Instapoker, which is a poker strategy game, right? Mm-hmm. Do you? I have to ask you something about uh, the secret situation. You're a magician and a very very good one. How do you feel about these TV shows or like the one that's been on with the guy in the mask? when he's given away the secrets of magician's tricks, which provides so much entertainment for people coming to Vegas and elsewhere. Do you think that's right, or do you think it's just something we have to deal with because there's no secrets anymore? Let me tell you what I think. The guy that did that was a guy named Valentino, and he had a couple of shows that really weren't doing too well, and he's a pathetic human being because he took an entire society of magicians' secrets, which we as magicians have, have... spent so much time and energy preserving because once you know the secret, it's not really that interesting anymore. And so years and hundreds of years of, you know, not sharing these secrets with non-magicians and he just threw everybody under the bus in an attempt to go make himself money and backstabbed everybody in the business. So, you know, in in my eyes, I think that's a very scummy thing to do. Absolutely. Kind of like multi-accounting, you know, online. It's just not right. Yeah, no, I, I, I can't agree with you more. Enough said there. Speaking of online, um, the state of online business. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, you were on Full Tilt's team. Is that correct? No, you had your own. You had your own site. What ha- the site that you no, were no, part no. of? There was, what was that? I don't even want to talk about it. It was so pathetic. Um, yeah. I, I, I was not associated with Full Tilt. I was never with Poker Stars. I was with UB like 28 years ago. Right. Uh, before any of the crap ever went down. And that's it. Other than that, I'm not really tied to any of the sites. And uh haven't been for quite a while now. I'm just kind of waiting for the right opportunity. And, of course, winning the one drop kind of puts me in the right right place. Oh, the right, for, place uh, for, the right place for a huge deal. I was on Full Tilt's team, as you know, and I got screwed, as everybody else did. Um, right. And you, I'll tell you a funny story, Antonio. They called me up two months before the Black Friday and they said, they said, uh, listen, Bruce, we, we're going to put you in all the TV commercials now. Instead of a friend, we're making you a pro. Uh, we're going to give you a, a very large budget for the WSOP. We even worked out a 70-30 deal, which was normally 50-50. I was so high on the hog 
because I liked the deal I had just being a friend of Full Tilt and being on their team. But now I was going to go to another level, which would have been good for as long as I'm alive, uh, as long as they're alive. And that all went out the window. It's, like you said, pathetic. But when it does come back, it's going to come back hopefully stronger than ever, hopefully good. You, of all people, are going to get one of the biggest sponsorship deals from whoever is righteous for you. And I hopefully look forward to the same thing myself. But do you see this happening in the next year or two? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be a state-by-state um, starting process. Right. I, I, I do see it that they kind of mingle everything together. And, you know, it's only a matter of time before the U.S. government realizes that it's truly a game of skill. And, um, you know, all the tax dollars that they're not getting as a result of not legalizing is ridiculous. So, you know, in the state of Nevada, it's already legal, and certain sites are getting ready to launch. And so moving forward, I think it's going to be an amazing process, and I'm just so happy to be a part of it and involved. You know, I'm already talking to a site, and I think it's going to be really good. I, I again, I agree. I guess I'm agreeing with everything you say because you're righteous in everything you say. I'm looking forward to it. I uh, can't wait for it. But until then, my live game has actually gotten better. I'm, I'm now at the Hustler Grand Slam uh, finals. I won it two years ago uh, down here in California, the main event. And now I just competed, uh, I think, four-day start day with about 1,200 entries, and it's going to be me and about 55 others going back tomorrow to play for the uh, final table and the winning. So it's not $18 million, Antonio, but it could be 75000 or more, and I'm actually quite excited as who wouldn't be, right, for the opportunity. Hey, 75 dimes is 75 dimes. No matter how much money I win, 75 dimes will always be a lot of cheese. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And now, if you, uh, you know, when you bank the 75, if you want to flip for it, let me know. Cause that's the thing. <laughs> TJ, Antonio's a prop better. I got to be careful. We discussed that once when you were on the show last time. And uh, <laughs> I've, I'll be willing to do it. But, Antonio, you're so much better at that than I am. And I know you'll get me in some way, shape, or form eventually. It's like <laughs> if I play you live in a cash game, sure. It's like I remember I played Kenny Tran one time, and I took a $15,000 pot off him in a cash game with Phil Locke at the same table. But I only played the game for two hours. I guarantee if I was there all night, like as it would happen as if I was playing against you, you'd have the keys to my car by, by 7 o'clock in the morning. So i got to be careful against people like you. You're just too good at poker. I don't know about that, but thank you. I'll take, I'll take the compliment. You got it. Listen, the mental preparation and discipline for a big poker tournament, to me, aside from the physicality, is the same as a fighter's mentality. To win, you go in to get knocked out. You go in to knock the guy out, or you could get knocked out. Be offensive, defensive. ESPN called poker a sport uh, a few years back and classifies it as such. And quite frankly, I do when it comes to the marathon of hours and the exhaustion. Like when I played 16 hours on Saturday, you know how I felt when I left that place. Do you consider poker a sport, and why? Well, that's such a good question. I've been back and forth with this question for a long time, and I'm kind of on both sides of the spectrum. I think that on some levels it is a sport, and some levels it's not. Um, certainly any sport takes mostly physical influence, and of course there's a lot of mental focus and ability and that goes into it. It's like a big formula. Poker, you know, it's a battle of the wits, but certainly the better shape you're in, the longer you can focus, the more dedicated you are to your health and being totally present at the table and maintaining your, your, your engagement and your focus, that all goes into the sport aspect of it. So if you're asking me if poker is a sport, I honestly can't say yes or no. I, I want to say that on some levels it is and some levels it's not. Well, I noticed with you, um, I think when I saw you at the World Poker Tour over at Commerce a couple years ago, I commented because you look like 
you are training, working out, and doing what it takes to be good at this, which involves being in the best shape you can be. I, I personally, I'll train in the morning, eat a power breakfast, do a little meditation. I don't drink when I play except maybe a little Kahlua in my coffee. Outside of that, it's all it's all about getting ready for the game. And that's what you did. I mean, that not that what you have to do every day? I mean, if you're playing the main event, is that what you do in the morning? You know, you get upright, like you mentioned it earlier. Do you approach it with that kind of discipline every day that you're in it? Every day. I mean, it really was a crucial, crucial part of the formula of me winning the one drop was just my overall health and focus. And you really can't focus, especially diet. If you're eating cheeseburgers and pizza, those nasty carbs just really take your energy level to a whole new, you know, they just totally drain you because your body is focused on wiping all that stuff and processing it in your body. Whereas if you eat really clean, like a nice piece of fish, tomato salad, some octopus, something like that, your body's not busy working. And so you're, you have more juice to focus and concentrate at the table and not be lethargic. And so for me, you know, I honestly don't think I would have done as well if I wasn't in the shape that I've been in. And it's not just poker. I mean, my life in general, I've really focused on health and I eat really clean. I work out almost every day and it's kind of like life units. You only have so many life units. So why not live the best life that you can with the precious life units that you have? That's how I look at it. Absolutely. 100%. Um, Two more things before I let you go. I know you're a busy guy. Uh, For you, I got all the time in the world. You're Dr. (laughs) Buffer. Come on. All right. Sounds good. Um, one other thing about the physicality of the thing, when I started playing poker as, you know, as much as I do in entering the tournaments, you know, especially the big ones, Antonio, I almost quit uh, scared of the fact that when I looked around the room, rarely is somebody in shape with all respect to poker players like, you know, you take care of yourself or I take care of mine. It scared the heck out of me. I thought, is this what poker does to you? But you know what? You can still play poker and stay in shape just as you just mentioned, and I realize that, so it's not an issue. The other question I have your buddy Phil Locke, come on, man. How jealous is he of this one? No, you know, it's so funny because Phil and I have been competing since day one, ever since we started playing poker together. And I'll never forget when I won the LAPC Poker Classic, I don't know, 29 years ago or something, and I just really left them in the dust. I just totally passed them as far as poker notoriety and, you know, being in the eyes of, of the public. And... He, the next day, goes and wins the Celebrity Invitational at WPT and just catches right up. And so it's been a battle for many years. And, you know, when he booked, broke the Guinness Book of World Records, he kind of passed me up. And, uh, and we've always had an ongoing joke about who is more, you know, who's, who's ahead of the other guy. And, you know, it's kind of funny because after the one drop, there's really just, you know, there's just really no question. I mean, I just... And I'm not saying this to be arrogant, but it's just nice to punish Phil Locke because it's going to be pretty hard for him to catch up now. Oh, I can thoroughly understand because you guys play off each other for years now. And uh, let's face it, will he ever catch up to this? Will anybody ever catch up to this? And speaking of which, are they going to do it again next year? Because I would love to go out, and I'm not going to put up my own money. I'd try to raise the funds. But do you think they'll do this again next year? you think there'll be another one? You know, there's, there's a reason why I hope they do it and a reason why I hope they don't do it. I hope they do it because a lot of people get to drink clean water in the world. And just to know that we probably saved some lives is pretty strong. Makes you sleep good at night. Tell, tell the um, public what you mean by that, because I don't think they're not, the people listening are not quite aware of what uh, part of the okay, proceeds so went to. The buy-in for the tournament was a million dollars, and the charity behind 
the uh, founder of the tournament, Guy Liberté. He's the guy that started the Circus Soleil uh, shows and all that. He's a very wealthy man. But he's got a big heart, and he like, he's a giver. And so he started this charity foundation called One Drop. And the main purpose and goal of this organization is to deliver clean, drinkable water all over the world. And so as a result, kids and people that don't have access to drinkable water have water. And we all know how important water is. And so out of the $1 million buy-in, $111,111 was taken out from each entry and given to this charity. So, you know, when I give a million bucks, 111000 went to the charity and the rest went to the prize pool. And that was done for 48 players. So the charity got a check for over $5.3 million as a result of this tournament. So awesome. we did a good thing. We did a good thing. Um, I was I was so touched and you know after I won I was just so honored and humbled I took it upon myself to to ship another hundred and eleven thousand uh, in addition to the original one eleven that was taken out of my entry fee so uh, I just feel like I was so lucky and fortunate to be in the spot that I was in so I couldn't help myself kudos um, to you thank you sir but anyway um, yeah that was it I mean the charity made a lot of money so next year I hope they do it for the charity aspect but. For my own personal selfish reasons, of course, I'm like, oh, I hope they just never have another tournament like this ever again. That way, you know, it can't be topped, and I can just remain on the top of the biggest money win ever for quite a while. Well, I, I obviously knew that reason before you said it. I, I could see your point there. Listen, you're at the UFC um, sitting, you know, right beside the octagon in the front rows, the whole bit. I know you enjoy the UFC. Do you have a favorite fighter? I mean, do you have somebody that uh, you say was your favorite or a couple of them? Yeah, I um, like George St. Pierre. I think he's such a badass. And I really appreciate Forrest Griffin for his heart. I mean, the guy can take a freaking beating, and he just doesn't give up. And uh, it was amazing to watch them fight. And I really respect, So, I mean, the guy just, he was on the ground getting plummeted and he just like didn't even flinch an eye it was insane i was thinking thank god i play poker i mean these guys <laughs> are just beasts yeah they are the beasts of the octagon but they're just such great guys of course the one you know thing about Forrest, they, they make jokes you know run Forrest, run i mean he's runs out of the octagon before i get a chance to make the announcement but i never saw dana get up and move so fast in my life on that one but uh it's always a never-ending uh supply of exciting events when it comes to the ufc Anyway, Antonio, we've got to take a break. We've got to go on. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show. I can't wait to be sitting across from you on the felt myself at a future tournament. My only, yeah, I bet. Um, my, only problem, my only problem right now is time. That's my biggest thing, but I can't argue with the alternative that's uh, controlling my life along with my other businesses, which is my beloved UFC, so not worried about that. Antonio, I don't want to say drinks are on me because they probably should be on you, but drinks are on me when I see you because I'm so proud of you again. Uh, congratulations. It's just amazing. And I doubt you even come down yet, um, you know, from the wonderful high it has to be to be in this position. But just major kudos, man. The preceding podcast was a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be directed to DeSantisProd at gmail.com. Hi, this is Stephanie from Safeway. Exciting news. Safeway, Chevron, and Texaco are offering even more savings at the pump. 
Now through September 8th, shop at Safeway and redeem up to $1 per gallon in gas rewards at participating Chevron and Texaco stations and at Safeway fuel stations. Shop Safeway this week and earn up to $1 per gallon in gas rewards. This is Stephanie from Safeway, and we'll see you soon. Maximum gas reward at participating Chevron or Texaco stations is $1 per gallon in a single fill-up, up to 25 gallons for a limited time. Other restrictions and exclusions apply. See complete details in-store or at Safeway.com. Total Wine and More announces points with a purpose. Now through September 13th, collect five times points on wines and spirits. Points earned equals a matching donation to local charities, up to $2 million in total. Shop with us today or visit TotalWine.com. Terms and conditions apply. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.